Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast, a episode two, I guess it is, of 2022. Your host, Brian Pellerin, here with you. We we already, our first one was a Johnless episode. This one will be a Wanless episode. John Marchant making his return. Good to have you back, John. Thank you. Yeah. So I uh, I know you weren't here for it last time. So I, I, I do have to fill you in. And I'm sure maybe the audience who, who stuck around for that episode had fun with it. Uh, at the end, I said, you know, this we're in a football offseason. We'll have to find some fun ways to fill the time. We'll do some interviews, which we will have for you either on this uh, coming up here in a, in a bit um, to, to fill the time. You know, there's not really much other sports. Baseball hasn't started. Basketball season appears to be dead. Uh, that I, I could not have been more wrong since then. Uh, <laughs> apparently they took that to heart because that was January 7th that we recorded that they were fresh off of. 22 point loss to Wake Forest. Uh, they were seven and five, I believe. Uh, since then, six straight uh, over Louisville, Miami, Syracuse, who looks pretty bad, but you know, you beat them, you beat them. Duke in the overtime thriller, the you can't beat uh, Leonard Hamilton in an overtime game. Uh, another one against North Florida. And then just yesterday, Saturday, against Miami on the road, taking first place in the conference. Uh, you're welcome, I guess is the way to go ahead and say it. You're welcome. I saved the season. Yeah, I think every uh, every Seminole fan owes you uh, uh, like a debt of gratitude. And uh, again, like you should you should do this just before the season starts. Just just get it over. You know, like, this is going to be the worst season ever of all time. And then every sport will win the national title. That's that's how we should do it. Maybe I should try that with Brett. We're going to talk baseball with with uh, our guy Brett Nevitt, who's all over the beat and. Uh, I, uh, I, maybe that's the way I'll go about it. I'll just, Hey Brett, F- FYI, this is the worst team we've ever seen. They don't have a chance that way they can just start great. Uh, you know, but <laughs> there I, you go. I think when it comes down to it, it's a, it's a young team. Um, but you know, when you have a coach like Leonard Hamilton, they can continually get better. Uh, college basketball season is very long. Um, I think when I said before that they're at the time, they were a 50% chance to make the tournament, which is terrible. Um, especially with the games they had ahead of them, but they were looking like, you know, a borderline, can they sneak in type team? And, um, you know, it, it's, it just goes to show what a quality coach can make out of a program. Yeah. I mean, at this point, how can you not trust in Leonard Hamilton and his staff? Um, yeah. yeah. Cause it did look rocky at first uh, in the season, you know, it was growing pains. You had a, got a, a lot of guys who left early um, over the last couple of years and it's hard to kind of, you know, replace that town and get them to, you know, come together as a team and then all the culture and all the other stuff. So um, I think it's pretty fantastic. I, the guy's a, a treasury. He should have a statue when he's, <laughs> when he's done coaching. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Um, he's, he's unbelievable. So, uh, you know, 
I know his age is getting up there. You kind of wonder how much longer he's going to do this, but, but while he's here, you just got to enjoy while it lasts. So. Yeah. And, and when you look at the team, you're, like I said, you're sitting first place in the conference. I, you know, obviously the ACC is a, is a basketball conference, but this year they, it looks like um, kind of like ACC football has where it seems like anybody can beat anybody. And no one really seems that great. So you can go on a run here of getting better and, and building your resume with stockpiling some wins if you can you don't get duke for another month that's that's a late february game um you know that'd be your big resume builder but if you can pile up wins i think the number i gave last time um from teamrankings.com's bracketology was if they could get to 20 was where they started to become pretty confidently in 70 percent. that's still there 20 but their chances of getting to 20 are a lot better when you're 13 and five versus uh, seven and five. Now, I mean, look, some of the earlier season losses, Purdue's very good. Um, you know, South Carolina is, is okay, I guess. Uh, Florida is an above average SEC team, which the SEC appears to be very solid this year in basketball. So I don't think any of them are, I don't want to say any of them, but, but they're not crippling losses. I think in hindsight, I think the Syracuse one will hurt and, and, and South Carolina isn't going to feel great, but I think you still have opportunity here to build a resume. And when you look to March, you can, you know, 20 is the number. If you can get over 21 though, you're, you're basically in. And at that point, they can be a scary team. If you get there as a young team, that's growing, getting better with a right coach. I think that's what you want is sort of like we saw on the football team, getting better as the year goes along and just, See what happens if you get there. Yeah, I mean, I always have to try to remember, keep in mind that, that despite all the success and, the, and the, the talent that Leonard Hamilton has been able to bring in over the last decade even, um, they're still, they don't recruit at the level of, of Duke and North Carolina and some of the other teams. But you're getting some of the same results, you know, until you get to the Elite Eight Final Four type, type stuff. Um, so, I, I mean, I think you have to be thrilled. I, I, you know, I... I thought after, like, well, you said they were seven and five. They, they, yeah. You know, like you said, the season's kind of over. They're probably not going to make the tournament. You're, it's a pretty hell of a good run yeah. before you had a season like this. So there's not really – you can't be that upset. And then for them to kind of put some of this together and put together the run that they've they've had and really kind of get themselves back in, in the tournament race is, is uh, really exciting. So um, I, I'm thrilled. I can't wait to see what they do the rest of the season. I hope they uh, – I, who who knows? I mean, you never know. They're probably not going to win the conference. But what if they do? That would be incredible. So yeah, uh, I just enjoy the journey. I, I think it's uh, I think it's special. So yeah, and basketball is the type of game where you get you know with the tournaments you in the one game format you don't always get the perfect champion. You maybe get the team that was hot at that time, which that's really all you need. And if, if they're peaking and get continue to grow and find that, or, you know. Uh, that consistency. There you go. Um, obviously, John and I aren't the uh, basketball aficionados as we like we were with football in X's and O's. I'll see if I can get some some of our beat guys to hop in and, and kind of explain what's going on, what they're seeing, and help kind of break it down. Maybe I'll see if I can find some some bracketology type experts. But yeah, I mean, I think I, I had to clown on myself to start with, and and hats off to this basketball team. Um, obviously a huge win at Miami yesterday. And, and again, first place in the conference. So hats off to them and let's, let's keep climbing as we head into March and give us something to fill some episodes with, uh, wh where our bread is buttered is, is of course football. I think that's where, where John and I, uh, and of course Juan have, have filled in the most since we've started here in football. And 
at this point, the big the big realm continues to be the transfer portal and, and recruiting. Obviously, you're in the offseason here. Um, since our last episode, two more transfers coming in. It's Oregon running back Trey Benson, uh, West Virginia wide receiver Winston Wright Jr. I don't I don't think you know we really know how the two of them play well enough for you know in their film and things, but I think you've got to be excited to see FSU continuing to chase offensive skill players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Norvell is going to have to, you know, chase the portal and, and and be thorough and methodical, get as much talent as he, as he can, especially at receiver. Um, I know they've done pretty well at running back. They got some, some decent guys, you know, obviously knowing the level of, of Cam Akers or Dalvin Cook, but there's no shame in that. Uh, but the wide receiver room, that easily the worst position group on the team last year, something that you, you had to flip. So as many guys as you can get, I know Andrew Partridge, was kind of a disappointment. He had some uh, some good plays, like the fourth and fourteen. Can never forget, right? Um, uh, Boo Miami, but uh, you had to you had to flip that wide receiver room, and they're putting in work, right? So you, you can't have a repeat of last season. And uh, and uh, those are John's dogs. If you were curious, John's dogs yeah. are taking over. It's okay. He's got some some beautiful. I assume they're golden retrievers. Yeah, they are. They they love their squeaky toys. Sorry yeah. about that. Yeah, no, it's um, all good. They're beautiful. Flipping the receiver room. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so, yeah, they're um, – I, I mean, you got to love it, right? This guy, I know Winston Wright. I don't know a whole lot about him. I know uh, uh, Kevin and, and Adam and those guys with the triple option will, will have, if they haven't already, dive in and kind of look at their skill sets and what they'll bring to the table. But just in the big picture point of view, you know, you, you had to get more talent in here. You, you had um, – Andrew Parchment tried to do a deep threat, but he just he didn't really do it. You know, you got the Malik McLean's kind of developing, could be a good piece, but is he going to be a number one guy or number two guy? You're not really sure. Um, but even even after you had Ontario Wilson, who he was decent, but he kind of limited. You know, he dropped some stuff. You never really got that consistency out of him that you wanted. Then you have Keyshawn Helton, who's still recovering from that that pretty serious knee injury several years ago, um, and there was a group overall that really struggled to create any kind of separation in their routes. Um, and the thing, I still have, you know, questions and doubts. I know Jordan Travis made a lot of uh, progress and some development, especially at the, the very end of the year. Um, but how much of that is, is him? You know, we, we talked a lot about him this, this past season, holding onto the ball and it, it kind of, you know, m- making some throws a little late kind of lacking anticipation, but it's still hard to keep in mind that the receivers didn't really do him any favors, right? Uh, you know, lack, lack of separate, even against uh, Jacksonville State, they weren't getting any separation down the field. So I think your your guy that did the best at that was uh, who? Ja'Kai Douglas, I think maybe. So he did that a couple of times against Notre Dame and then and then later in the season. So um, you, anybody you can bring that's got any kind of experience will uh, help, uh, I guess, uh, improve the depth there, the starting talent. You know, you still have to recruit your way out of that, but um, and then with Benson, the running back, I know I heard um, people said that he had suffered a pretty serious knee injury. Uh, but again, you need you need talented bodies. And if you if your staff thinks he's healthy and he can contribute, then that's what you need. Because what was left over after Willie Taggart and the Jimbo Fisher era was was a pretty bare cupboard. And more than I, I know, this podcast has talked about it quite a bit. But I'm not sure how well known it is around around the beat. Just how bad the talent was at Florida state and it's, it's going to take time to get out of it. So I think that the portal fits Florida state, what they're doing. I think it's a great strategy by Mike Norvell to go after it hard because many guys as you can, 
Um, I know I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit, but even right. on the defense, on the defensive line, they're not going to be, you're not going to be able to be able to replace Gary Thomas and Jermaine Johnson. It's, they're not going to be that good. They're going to take a little bit of a step back. That's okay. You can still replace them with, with some quality guys and, and have a unit that can, that can impact the game and the pass rush and things like that. So you just have to keep doing that and keep getting this team better and better, better. I think the goal everyone expects this year is to make a bowl game. So you're going to have to have a more complete team. Um, I trust him to get that done. Uh, he's kind of, I know from the fan base perspective, kind of running out of time to do, to do that. But again, you got to love the transfers. I'm sure. I think what we talked about it too is, Last year they still got transfers even after National Signing Day, right? Even into summer. Yeah, so Gibbons was, be more I, think, to come. Uh, I think Gibbons was post spring ball. Um, I think it was an April one. Uh, right. Just so, to show you a guy who can come in and, and make a difference even that late. Right. And it's weird, you know, you have you had National Signing Day. February was the big day, and then we do the early signing period. And now with the transfer portal, it seems like there's never it never really ends. There's no definitive, like, oh, this is the day. It's 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 just every single like all year long, right? You're so you gotta recruit kids. Uh, so it's, I can't even imagine it's a totally different beast than it was even 10 years ago. Um, so we'll see, you know, again, he's like, we said, he's going to continue to add, add kids and players throughout the whole, um, summer. And I'm kind of excited to see, see what we have coming into August. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when you, when you take in where this roster is at, you have to take hacks, you know, you've got to go out and, and, swing as many times as you can you know you can't you can't be like well I'm not sure he's good enough for uh, I think you just gotta you know what he wants to be here we'll take him because you needed a lot of help especially in that receiver room and and you brought in four guys um you know different ranges of bodies you know Deuce Span is 6'4 200 Johnny Wilson 6'6 225 Michael Pittman who's kind of your leader I guess of this transfer class is 5'11 200 and then you got Winston at 5'11 175 so you've got some some tiny guys who I assume are speed guys. Again, I don't know the tape and you've got some giants in there who know in Johnny Wilson might end up being a tight end. Um, But you know, you've got, you've got to flip that room and it seems like they've done it. You know, you, you can speak to the lack of uh, explosion, explosive plays they had all season. It was basically can Jordan Travis run or the threat of Jordan Travis running, give us a lane to run someone else through the hole. I think if you can pad it with more guys like Pittman, and such take it take the chance and hope that you know you can catch lightning in a bottle we've seen guys come back from knee injuries i mean kind of like a cam Akers. i mean or was he even a knee i think he was an achilles whatever he was you know but you can see guys come back from these these leg injuries or and that are thought to be season enders career enders and continue and, and be successful so i think you have to take the hacks and if it lands it lands i mean you're your transfer class, I think, is sitting – I think it's fourth in the country. So why not? Just keep swinging. Right. Well, and I may have mentioned this before, maybe uh, in the middle of the season, but the transfer portal is kind of like the NFL free agency, right? right. I mean, the hit rate's not going to be – it's just like recruiting. Hit rate's not going to be 100%. Um, some some years the hit rate's going to be better than others. Uh, there's been a, a lot of transfers that really haven't done anything, and that's going to continue to be the case. But like you said – you know, you just bring in as, as many bodies as you can. You, you get talent whenever you can, wherever you can get it. And uh, competition is healthy too, right? So you're right, though. They really needed to flip that wide receiver room and they went out and did it. Again, that's got to instill some confidence. You know, you still like to see maybe a backup QB or um, an offensive tackle, something like that. But 
yeah, I mean, how can you not, how can you be upset so far with the, with the job that they're doing, especially addressing some of the biggest needs on the team, right? I mean, that's what, that's what they needed to do. So uh, I, I'm with you. I'm really glad to see what they've done so far. Hopefully they can get a few more pieces. And like I said, uh, cause that was, that was the issue his first season, right? Norvell yeah. was the, I mean, you get the running game. George Travis is so dynamic. He changes all the numbers on offense with, with your ability to run him instead of, instead of 10 on 11, it's 11 on 11. Right. But if you don't have any receivers in the passing game, then you can't, you can't really do, I mean, you're losing a whole half of your offense. So you become too one dimensional. So I'm really excited to see what they look like this year. I know another bowl game is going to be the, the goal. So um, could be pretty fun. Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of excitement build up through the portal where people are like, you know, this, I, I think seven, I think eight, I see it in our, you know, in our, in our, uh, Tomahawk nation chats. And I'm like, man, we gotta, we gotta bring that back down. There's just, I mean, you're bringing in a lot of guys, but even looking at the class, I mean, eight, eight, the transfer class, eight of these guys are three stars. I mean, you brought in nine, eight of them are three stars. One's a four star. I mean, you're not bringing in, that's another dog appearance They're You're not bringing in top tier talent. You're bringing in guys who can pop for sure, but you're not bringing in absolute game changers. And, and you know, as far as names still to watch for, uh, I know there's a tackle, I think, from Rutgers who's out there that our guys had flagged as someone to keep an eye on. And then same with wide, Georgia's wide receiver, Jermaine Burton, uh, who's out there. Him and JT, their quarterback, JT Daniels, are kind of both out there in the portal. Um, I'm seeing some people say that, that Daniels and Burton are going to be a package deal, um, which is pointing people to Ole Miss. I, I don't. I could see them going together as a pair, but I don't. I, what I'm hearing, I, I mean, so LSU just hired Georgia's wide receivers coach, and I think there might be some pull there to pull Burton to LSU. Um, but I don't know where, J, if JT Daniels really fits in what LSU's looking to do there. They obviously need a quarterback for where they're at. Um, I don't think they need one, but regardless, um, you know, I think if you, if you could pull a guy like Burton, that'd be excellent. But I don't, I, I, I don't know if FSU at this point feels where they're at is, is another receiver, but you can't not take him. If he's interested, just keep pushing and, and try. Um, so I think there's a lot out there, just in case anyone was curious also. I, I've seen, um, just because it's FSU's opener next year, LSU connected to Caleb Williams, the Oklahoma quarterback freshman who's in the portal right now. I, I've, I saw some reporting that he's down to LSU and USC. Everything I've heard from LSU is they are not. They don't feel that they're number two. They feel that there's only a number one and it's USC and they're just being used to, to push the USC boosters higher and higher on the NIL deals. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose sleep over it though. I don't think many people were. Well, well, that's my thing is my concern isn't the portal. I mean, I, it's the high school recruiting, right. For, for Norvell and the staff, yep. it has it. They didn't hit as, as, if I remember correctly, and I do apologize, it, maybe the transfers will change this, but they didn't hit the 50% blue chip that I wanted them to hit. That was my benchmark for them to continue to improve and get to where we want them to be. And that's pretty disappointing. Um, and we thought there might be some staff changes. And so far that hasn't really happened. Uh, that's also pretty disappointing. Yeah. But it remains to be seen, you know, I, may, I don't know if Norvell's given them the, the benefit of the doubt or, or what the deal is there. Um, but that's, that's got to change. And you're not, you're not going – at some point we're going to be talking about the guy after Norvell, if he can't significantly raise the talent of this team, not just the floor, but um, the ceiling too. And you need blue chips. It, it doesn't have to be five stars. So you just get a bunch of four stars. That's fine. Um, so that's something I think to really be concerned about and look and keep an eye on this coming season. But also um, like your point that you just made NIL, 
that's going to be a big issue. Uh, Florida is going to have to amend their law. I think someone already uh, proposed an amendment. I think this legislative session is is going right now, but they got to fix that because Florida State's at a disadvantage there um, with the state laws. Yeah, they were first, uh, but apparently because they were first, other states came in and had ones that were a little bit more advantageous to their their programs than than what Florida, uh, all the Florida teams got, Florida State, Florida, Miami. Um, so that they're going to have to fix that hopefully. And then maybe Florida and well, then you still got to find the money too. So Florida state's always been kind of a pinch a penny, you know, make it, make it work, make their dollar go a little bit further than other programs. So there's concern there. Um, I don't, but at the same time, we're talking about competing at the national title level. Right. And obviously Florida state's not there yet. They still got several more years to go before they can think about, uh, competing for ACC titles. Uh, we were hoping 2023, 2024 kind of thing. Uh, so I know national title is a ways off and the game has changed though, you know, but you still, I'm concerned about this staff's high school recruiting ability. And, uh, you know, you got to get close to Clemson, right? Maybe you still won. You kind of get back in that conversation. So that's, that's where I'm looking at. Uh, I, I don't want to say that, oh, well now because they didn't hit 50%, now they have to hit 55%. That's kind of a little, ridiculous but i do think at the same time they have to hit 50 percent this coming cycle right not not this class you know even with all the transfers but in the 2022 that class that they're going to pull in early signing day um all the way down this year in, in november december they're going to have to pull in 50 percent. you got to get the talent up so that's that's what i'm looking at six wins and 50 percent in recruiting uh, yeah, they're at uh, just to update it. It's they're at seven out of sixteen um, is where they're at. So they do. I mean, obviously, signing day, I guess regular signing day. I don't know if we have a word for it. It's still coming February second. Um, so they do have a chance to add to that. I don't. I don't know if they're connected to any of the larger players. Looking through earlier, I didn't really see anyone who jumped off the page as like crystal balled and on all those recruiting things to FSU. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it might be where they they kind of through the the Travis Hunter fiasco uh, kind of lost that number and, and might not be able to get back there. But I don't know. I, I think they do still obviously had the opportunity to uh, build and grow. But like you said, I, I feel like where you're at is it, it might end up being the guy after Norvell. But my question there is, as we reach NIL levels, and I know there was, I think, a bill filed in Iowa, which said that it requires college athletes to be considered employees, so they need to be compensated like employees. Um, I don't know how far that's going to go. I'm not a legal guy. I'm not an expert on, like, Iowa congressional movements, um, but there's very clearly the drive pushing towards payment to players, which I assume is going to be probably uniform across the board. Um, Cause there's just no way these colleges are going to be able to like, well, the quarterback's going to get this much. And it's like, I, I can't see NFL type moves, but the NIL aspect of it would be where you'd supplement that. I guess, John, my question there is, and I think I want to have maybe a longer, bigger discussion when we can get Juan in here and probably Perry too would be where do you think FSU stands in the ability to pay these players in NIL things? Because you've got John Ruiz out here for Miami hosting uh, NIL Twitter spaces and, and posting, you know, oh, we gave, you know, 
Tyler Van Dyke, 400,000 uh, to join this new LLC we made up. That's doesn't not even, that's very clearly not real. Um, I'm sure that'll probably catch up to Miami at some point. Uh, but, you know, I mean, you, you, LSU's got um, the guy who basically owns all of South Louisiana's law firms handing out million-dollar checks to transfer portal players and, and wide receivers who are coming back. Where Does FSU have the money, I guess, to, to, to be in that fight? Um, right now, in my opinion, no. I don't yeah. think Florida State has the donor base that it needs to have, but I don't. I don't think it. At the same time, I also don't think they don't have. They don't have the top end guys, the the billionaires or, or right. whatever who who are willing to kind of spend that money. Um, I mean, Al Dunlap maybe would have been that guy, but but you know that's not the case anymore. Um, yeah, no, I just I, I well look I well hold on because here's my thing too is it's not necessarily going to really hurt you or, or kill your chances of rebuilding the program right now at this point. Although it's been obvious that Florida state has lost out on several prominent recruits because of this. Right. Um, so it's, it's clearly hurting you. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily uh, really destroying your prospects at this point in time. I mean, you're never just one player away type type thing. So yeah, you lost Travis Hunter and, and, and some other guys and that really hurts, but is it, it doesn't, you know, it's not going to doom your program. My issue, though, is the big picture is over time, it might, if some of these issues can't be solved or, or fixed, some of that's going to be, like we talked about, legislative. Some of it's going to be, um, you know, Michael Alford's got to really kind of grow that donor base. Um, and then maybe Florida State can find somebody or at least a couple guys. Maybe you're not going to have a billionaire, but you can find some guys that, that, do have a lot of money. I know that college town was an investment thing for a lot of boosters at Florida state. Hopefully maybe they, they start to see some returns on their money. Um, you know, that was like a long-term project and it was smart, uh, but I know it wasn't fast enough for Jimbo Fisher. So it, it is complicated. I do agree with you. This is really worth like a, a podcast all on its own, just talking about this one specific issue. I know there's an article, I believe it was in sports illustrated um, this, this week that really touched on some of the NCAA meetings with all the, um, school uh you know athletic directors and administrators talking about big big fundamental seismic changes in, in college football including perhaps not the power five breaking away yet but perhaps forming their own division you know we had a uh, division 1a and 1aa which became fbs and F fcs now they're talking about the power five maybe creating their own level of play their own uh division but and that would be a logical step before they do eventually break away, which I, I don't know anyone. I mean, even the Tomahawk Nation Slack group that thinks that that's not going to happen. I, I think it will. Yeah. But it looks like this is this is the next step. So I do have concerns about Florida State right now moving into the future. And I think at this point we have to take Florida State out of any national title discussion for the foreseeable future. They're still stuck in a horrible grant of rights deal with the ACC. There's a lot of different factors here. There's a lot of different things going on with, you know, Florida State's own limitations and the changing of the sport and all of this other stuff. Um, I think it might benefit Florida State to kind of just keep the scope very narrow right now and just focus on themselves, try to get back to winning eight to 10 games a year. Some of this other stuff, I mean, it's all outside of your control too. You know, right. I know Jim Phillips of the new commissioner of the ACC, he wants, he's, he's against, for example, playoff expansion right because he wants 
certain assurances or uh, the future of the sport to be kind of clarified before they kind of do something like that, that would churn the waters a little bit more, so to speak. Right. So, uh, you know, it's so interesting to me and it's so, you know, it's convoluted and complicated. And, and I am concerned about the future of Florida State football. I don't want them to end up haha, like Miami, you know, where they're just has been and, and that type of thing. Uh, but as it stands right now with the NIL being the wild, wild west, there's no real centralized regulation. The NCAA has basically seceded all authority. Uh, yeah, Florida State's in a little bit of a tough spot, um, but I think that they could benefit by just focusing on themselves right now. Yeah, I think I think it adds to the difficulty of a rebuild. And, and you know, Jimbo kind of touched on it before. And as you said, I think this can be a full episode type thing. But just quickly, while we're on the topic of recruiting and, and transfers, you know, I, paying players isn't anything new. But the difference is you're paying them above above board, I guess. Everyone look at me. I'm handing out, you know, I'm John Ruiz and I'm on Twitter handing out. $400,000 checks to anyone who wants to be the quarterback at Miami. And you've got, it obviously adds to it, but it goes all the way down. It's, it's getting, it's going to end up to the point where these kids, and, I, and I'm not putting it on them. I think, you know, they're, I believe that they're, you know, providing these universities and, and ESPN with billions and billions of TV revenue dollars and, and have every right to capitalize on their own not name and image and likeness. But this is going to end up where I think every player is going to essentially be on the payroll. And to do that, you're going to need a lot of money. So it's going to become even harder to grow out of it if you just don't have this wealth of money. Now, there is uh, there are limits to money. I mean, you can look at Oregon and I've got Phil Knight basically just pumping dollars and dollars and dollars into the program. And it, it ain't gotten them there yet. Um, you know, they've been in the title game a few times, but they haven't gotten over the hurdle. You can look at uh, Arkansas, backed by Jerry Jones. They have, I'm sure they could turn to Jerry and say, hey, we want some dollars because he loves him. Some, he loves his Razorbacks. But uh, Arkansas, quite honestly, is just one of those like, oh, wow, they finished fourth in the SEC West this year. How about that? You know, th- there are programs who have that wealth of money that just haven't been able to put it together. So I don't think it's all money. Um, but you can look at Texas A&M for a program that's got dollars stacked on dollars that is absolutely helping Jimbo get to the front of this line much quicker than we thought before. So like you said, I think it's, I think it is a bigger discussion that, that we can probably have a, a nice group conversation on here in the off season that I think to kind of really look at where FSU is financially. Um, and maybe with some of our upcoming guests, I know we're trying to get on that I think would be great to talk about. You, you mentioned Alfred. Um, so I, I think it, it's something that is definitely going to make this tougher whether it is uh norvell or the guy after norvell right i I didn't mean to say for example that you know like four states now the little sisters of the poor right but right like in that in in that sports illustrated article you know they talked about how there's a real issue because some of the top programs their budgets are 130 170 million dollars a year and then you have the really smaller schools and you know especially in division two maybe and their budgets are even the bottom of the, of, of the FBS and their budgets are uh, $13 million a year. And you just can't compete at this, at the same level. Florida state is right below those kind of, you know, in the, in the top 20, top 15, um, right below those, those league guys. So we're talking, you know, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, now Texas A&M is probably, you know, going to be in the I'm sure they're up there. Yeah. 
Right. Those programs that are just so flush with cash, those are the ones that are going to be able to, um, that's, those are the ones I'm saying Florida State cannot compete with right now. Um, and I don't believe that that should be the expectation. I think that, you know, fixing your own in-house issues, you know, growing the donor base, getting yourself to be a very solid, because whatever the power five breaks away or whatever that looks like, Florida State's going to get included. They're Florida State, right? I don't care if that happens 10 years or even 20 years from now. I don't think Florida State will be so much of a has-been that they're going to, oh, no, we're not going to invite them. Um, But at the same time, you know, so I don't mean to say, again, versus the top end of the system and, and the bottom end, Yes, that just doesn't work anymore. The, the FBS is too bloated. There's too many teams. You know, I know, I know programs want to jump in because it's, it's a lot more money. Um, but the system's not working. It's being stretched on both ends. It's just they're too different. These groups want too, too many different things. The Florida State is much closer to the top end of the group than the bottom. It's just that when you're talking about winning titles, you need to be at the very top elite, and they're not. Um, and that disparity is only going to be growing, right? If the ACC programs are pulling in from their TV revenue deal, maybe $30 million a year. And we were talking by the end of the decade, Big Ten and the ACC teams are going to be pulling in, I don't know, 70, 80, $100 million each at the end of the decade. So it, yeah, I'm concerned about Florida State falling behind, but uh, it's, it's there's nothing emergency level panic at this point. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I think, I I just think when you start, like when it, when we hit go on this whole process and we talked about Florida state or the state of Florida, I should say, having their own laws, which obviously hindered them a little bit, but you also have to tie in, you know, when you look at your donor money, you're talking facilities and all the things that come with it. You're talking coaching payroll. And if you are an Alabama, a Georgia, a Clemson, uh, Ohio State and LSU, where you've got your facilities at a place where you feel like our facilities are already great. Instead of going to your donors and saying, "Hey, I know you're giving me 10 million for the facilities or six million for the assistant coach or whatever," I need you to give me, you know, two million to get three offensive linemen and a and a and a defensive tackle. If you're at a spot where you're like, you're asking for double the money, you know, maybe that's where it becomes like, if you're Alabama and you don't really need to upgrade your facilities because you've got a goddamn waterfall, GD, can I say that? I did it. A waterfall <laughs> in your facility, then so be it. You know, if you're Clemson with a with a slide, I don't think you need to upgrade your facility. You might need to upgrade your head coach soon. But, <laughs> you know, it, it helps where you can just take the money and go directly to the player without having to stuff a roster, which you're at here with Florida State is, their stuff in a roster. But again, we're kind of deeper in the weeds here. I, I do think that they are in the right direction. It's just making the jump from, I guess, their average to good. It's probably the realm they're in. And we're kind of talking about the difference between being good to great to elite to whatever we want to call Alabama at this point. Um, you know, death machine. That, the death machine, right. And, and, you know, I guess Georgia, hats off to them. They won the championship since, since we did this last pod. But, you know, I guess they're in that same realm. And that's where many of these top-tier SEC and, and programs are. I would have put Clemson in there if Dabo had any idea how to work a transfer portal. But I think that's just – that's when you look up at the mountain, I think that's one of those ahead type things. And I, and I think, like we mentioned, I think it's a good – maybe it's our next, next episode as we uh, wait for signing day and spring ball to give us some more things to talk, to, talk about. Um, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, I think we're good. Thanks, John. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it.
That's a wrap. That's my one impression. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.